Today's episode is extra fun for me because I had the pleasure of interviewing my brother, Dr. Ari Graf. Recently, Ari has shifted his career focus from practicing psychotherapy to life coaching. His coaching focuses specifically on helping men who feel unhappy and stuck in romantic relationships, as well as single men who have difficulty maintaining or starting satisfying relationships. As you might have guessed, today we're not going to be talking about the machining business. But I wanted to do this interview because to reach your full potential in your professional life, it's beneficial to have a solid personal life. In this interview, you're going to hear ideas about why some romantic relationships fail that you may not have considered before. We're also going to talk about how with the right approach, you have the potential to improve an unhappy relationship. Whether you're a man in a dysfunctional romantic relationship, someone single, or someone in a seemingly wonderful relationship, this interview will likely make you think. And for women listening to this, you will find it interesting and important as well. This is Swarfcast, the podcast for professionals in precision machining. I'm your host, Noah Graff. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graff. P-I-N-K-E-R-T dot com. I am very honored to have Dr. Ari Graf, PsyD, on the podcast. Ari actually is returning to the podcast after a little while, and it is a extra special occasion because he is my brother. Welcome to the show, Ari. Thanks for having me. So, last time, Ari spoke about the psychology field. He's a psychologist, a, a PsyD, which means he has a doctorate in psychology. And um, he spoke about trauma in work, often physical trauma. Today, Ari's career is pivoting a little bit. He's getting away from um, the regular therapy business. And he is becoming a coach, which is something that uh, if you've read some of my blogs, I might have talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but this is something that I've really been getting into as well, uh, coaching. Not me being the coach, but seeing a coach. So this is a really important thing in my life now too. And Ari is doing a totally different kind of coaching than career coaching. I'm going to let him tell you about it now. I think that though it may not be so industry-centric, this is stuff that a lot of people can use in their lives. And I'll let him take it away now. Ari, why do you think that people listening to this podcast might find 
your coaching interesting? Well, I think there's important ideas we're going to talk about, particularly for men. I know there's a lot of men in your industry, but there's going to be a lot for, for women and what we'll talk about also. But I think a lot of men these days are stuck and they're not sure how to be men. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be masculine these days? So this is something that I've been figuring out over the past few years. Um, and now it's something that I coach men in. So I, I think that's going to be be relevant, but also just, yeah, how how to get unstuck. That's a big part of coaching, how to get unstuck in your relationship. If you feel like your romantic relationship is stuck or even dead. So this is what you're mainly focusing on, relationships and particularly helping men get unstuck from their relationships, you'd say. Yeah, but the, this also applies to work as well. A lot of what I work with men on is uh, being more comfortable as a leader and being okay with challenge and taking risks. So that is something that applies to the work world as well. It's definitely something I'm working on. So let's go back now. Uh, I want to know what inspired this coaching pivot from your psychology career. What, what brought this on? I'm still a psychologist and I'm still doing some therapy, but yeah, last time I was on the podcast, I was doing neuropsychology. I was working in rehabilitation psychology. So it, it was a different kind of work. Um, what changed for me is about five or six years ago, my marriage was in trouble. I'd been married for about eight years and I was feeling stuck. I didn't know what I could do to basically get my marriage back on track. Um, I knew that my wife was unhappy um, and I felt bad about how I was engaging in the marriage, but I didn't know what I could do better exactly. I just knew something was off and I was very worried about whether we would even stay together. You know, we had a, you know, a, a a baby at the time. So how many years do you think you were dealing with this, you know, before you finally ended things? Well, I think the marriage uh, had trouble all along, to be honest. But some of that was in retrospect. But we had already done couples therapy pretty early in the marriage. But, you know, th things seemed to be even more stuck, uh, more distant between us. And, you know, I, I was worried that we weren't going to make it. And I was worried that, you know, our family would break apart. So that was something that was really motivating me to figure out how I could change. I just didn't know how to change. And that's when, you know, I decided to take an unconventional route, which was not to go to a therapist. And, you know, I'd, I'd spent a lot of time in therapy working on myself but I just felt like I need some other approach. So I started looking on the internet um, in the manosphere. Okay, wait, wait. So you had been, you know, seeing a therapist individually without your wife as well? or Not at that point in time, but okay. in the past, yeah. Right. And so right now at, at, at that moment in time, rather than go see a therapist who may have been one of your go-tos and you were also seeing, you know, in couples therapy, you said, I need something different. Yeah, we had already tried couples therapy. We, we had done that. Had you basically given up on couples therapy? No, but, um, you know, this was about 2017. So, I mean, we had found couples therapy helpful, 
but I just didn't think that that was going to be enough this time. I didn't know if she would even be interested. So, yeah, I started looking in in the manosphere. <laughs> what is the manosphere? The manosphere, it's stuff on the internet. You know, some of it is self-help stuff and, and has a lot of value. Some of it's like the whole pickup world. Some of it is, is really toxic and misogynistic. So I, I didn't really know what I was looking for. I just was just looking for something different in terms of how I was going to work on my marriage. But I mean, it went down to basically the end. You still wanted to hold on to it almost to the, to the very end, right? That's right. Yeah. I was very motivated to keep us together. More motivated than she was. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine getting divorced or, you know, splitting time up with my son. So yeah, I, f- I found um, this particular coach's book and it was really tailored to my situation. What do you what do you do when you know your marriage is failing? How do you get it back on track? So it was very much I felt like it was really written for me. And then, you know, I started making changes in how I approached things. I started doing more around the house and and working on my parenting. Not that I was was bad necessarily, but but just really trying to lead in every way that I could, whether it was financially, house decisions, parenting. That's what you found out in the manosphere. Well, I mean, particularly from this book. What's the book? The book is called The Mindful Attraction Plan. It's by someone named Athel Kay. So he was a coach that I worked with first and he was really helpful. So that was when my marriage was really in trouble. You know, I, I learned a lot doing that, but it wasn't enough to save the marriage. Um, we tried doing couples therapy again. But what else I will say is because of the coaching that I had, I was able to leave the marriage feeling more confident in myself than I ever had. So as, as, as painful as it was, I felt like I was growing and that I was going to be okay. You know, it, it, was, it was a huge loss and it was a lot to adjust to getting divorced. But I knew that I was moving in this new direction. So that was part of how I found coaching. And that was how I got into this kind of men's work that I'm doing now. Okay. So fast forward a couple of years later, you were part of a men's group, correct? That's right. So uh, early 2021, I, I discovered this book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. It's uh, kind of a provocative sounding title, but I really connected with this book. It's It's been out for about 20 years and it's about this whole concept of nice guy syndrome. Nice guys are men who believe that if, if they're loving and kind and caring, then they'll get the love and satisfaction that they want in life and in their relationships. A nice guy, you know, it, it's not that being nice is bad. It's the excessive niceness. It's the people pleasing, always wanting approval. You know, th- that was something where I was really stuck in my marriage was always wanting to get her approval for whatever I did um, and being very needy. So those are some of my nice guy traits. So question, do you think a certain woman that you were with, a certain type of woman would bring out the nice guy traits where another one wouldn't? Well, I think uh, if you're a nice guy, you you are going to attract certain kinds of people. And to my my ex's credit, she didn't want that. 
you know, she, she wanted a partner who was more assertive, who was more of a leader. Okay. So that was a deal breaker for her. So, you know, I'm actually grateful that I learned that lesson. Okay. Uh, you read No More Mr. Nice Guy. And then, then what, what came after that? What was the... So the, the author of that book, his name is, is Robert Glover. He's a, he's a family therapist by training. So I looked him up on the internet and I found that he's, he's doing men's groups. So par, part of recovering from being a nice guy and breaking through those traits is connecting more with other men. So this is something where a lot of men are stuck. So a lot of men don't have those close male friendships. One of the traps for men is looking to your wife or your your partner to be your primary emotional support and not having close friends that you can open up to, be vulnerable with, get support from, get feedback from. So if you're just looking to your partner and your partner is not working well. Yeah, well, it it, te- it tends to create neediness if you're looking to them to be your main emotional go-to person. So part of breaking through being a nice guy is having these outside male friendships that you can go to, p- people that you can really open up to um, and that are going to be honest with you. Um, and you can you can get a lot of your emotional needs met through those friendships. Okay. You don't just have to you don't have to look to your wife to meet all of those needs. And then you can go back to your wife feeling emotionally filled up and ready to, to give to them, be present with them. So, I mean, that's part of the rationale for a men's group. Right. Because maybe you don't have those friends, but this, these are peers that number one are looking for a similar type of peer. And number two can hopefully relate to you and you can work off each other. Right. So, so Robert Glover has groups for nice guys to break through their, their nice guy traits. So I did a virtual group with him. This was a couple of years ago now, and it, it was really influential. You know, I, I learned a lot. I connected with guys that I still meet with today. And I, I realized that coaching could be a good path for me. So this, this was another thing that helped to launch me into coaching. You know, last year, I really started working on becoming a coach, and I connected with a lot of No More Mr. Nice Guy coaches. So that's become a big part of my network. And now I'm my niche is coaching nice guys. So men who need to break through things like I did. Okay. So you now have your own men's group like Robert Glover did with you. That's right. It's it's modeled on on his approach. It's a five week men's group, and uh, you know we we cover a lot of the same topics, but it's it's got my own spin on things. Mm-hmm. How are you different than he is? I mean, it's, I've got a different personality, but right. you know, I'm just also trying to refine it. You know, he's such a big personality in his groups, and I'm also thinking about like how can I teach the men in the group to continue the work after the five weeks is over, you know, to continue the men's group. So that, that's, that's one of my goals for my groups. And then you have a private coaching as well, which some of the time, some of your therapy patients have gravitated to, or people in the men's group have gravitated to. Um, I've got individual therapy clients or individual coaching clients now who are in the men's group. 
Okay. But you have some that are just, these are just one-on-one clients that you're specializing in the relationship stuff. Yeah. The, the nice guy stuff. It's, it's not just about relationships. It's also about their, their work life. It's also about their habits, um, their self-care. Okay. Well, let's break into it. What are some things that a lot of the people out there listening to this might not know? Look, I love to be able to say I have a really good marriage. You know, part of it is luck. You and I are different. So I wonder sometimes if I was with a different type of person, if my nice guy tendencies might have manifested. But, you know, that's another tangent, I guess. What do people out there, maybe they think the marriage is good and it's actually so-so, or maybe they're already like, they just feel ick and there's tension. And of course, that tension could come from a number of things. But what's some wisdom out there you can tell people that maybe they don't know, that you didn't know? Sure. So, um, one thing that came out of the the No More Mr. Nice Guy men's group, and is really, it complements the concepts on that book, are, are concepts around relational or sexual polarity. It's a great book. It's called The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. It's also about 20 years old, but for your listeners, that's another great one to pick up. But that gives a whole framework around polarity. And so there's these ideas about for a romantic or sexual relationship to have good chemistry, there needs to be polarity. So one partner uh, needs to be in the masculine and energy role and the other partners in the feminine energy role. Does this harken back a little bit to John Gray, like men are from Mars, women are from Venus? Well, I think it does bring up differences between men and women. But I I do want to say that this isn't just for people in kind of traditional straight relationships. This applies to people who are gay or lesbian or people with different gender identities too. So you can be trans or non-binary and still want to work on your masculine energy or your feminine energy. So all, all people have both masculine and feminine energy too. So it, it is it is nuanced. But most men are going to be more masculine energy oriented. That's the way that they lean and that's the way that they want to be in the relationship with their romantic partner. And most most women want to be in their feminine energy when they're with their partner. This based on like scientific data? Well, some of it comes out of, you know, ancient religious and cultural traditions too. But are you saying this is this is more learned by society or is this genetic or some of both? I think there's biological foundations, but I think this also comes out of philosophy and culture too. But there's been data that's shown like psychologists have done this kind of thing and shown that this is... Well, I think this ties into evolutionary psychology about what men look for, what women look for. But like I said, even for people who don't have a traditional gender identity, or if, if you're not heterosexual, these concepts still apply and can still be helpful. You know, I'm straight and I'm helping mostly straight people, but also also I have a number of, of gay clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but to go back to how this is helpful, you want to th- think about masculine energy as certain traits that you can tap into. And these are around leading and doing 
being organized, problem solving, things that we typically associate with being masculine. That, so those are traits involved, you know, when you're in your masculine energy. And women have these too. And nowadays, you know, women are in high-powered roles. They're high-achieving. So women are in their masculine energy much of the time. But one of the take-homes is that if a woman is really a feminine energy person, meaning that's how they want to be with their romantic partner, if they're in their masculine energy all day, then it can be hard for them to come home and relax into that feminine energy role. Oh, okay. People have trouble changing it when they get home. I thought you were going to say that, you know, they get home and they just can't wait to get rid of, you know, the one thing that they're doing all day. Or could it also be like that, I guess? Absolutely. Yeah. So some women, yeah, they want to they want to step out of that masculine doing energy that they're in all day when they get home. But if you think about it, a lot of being at home, housework, and if you got kids, taking care of the kids, that's work. That's doing. So that's still being in your masculine energy. Hmm, interesting. So many women, and I know I'm generalizing, but many women feel like they're they're doing all the time. They're in that masculine energy all the time. And then it makes it difficult for them to get into that feminine energy when they come home. And then men don't necessarily know how to lead them or help them into that feminine energies. Hey, listeners, I just wanted to remind you that you can see videos of our episodes on YouTube and other social media. So if you want to see a cool tool or part that was described in the interview, or you just want to gaze upon my beautiful face, you can go to the Today's Machining World YouTube channel. You can also link directly to the videos from the episode show notes. And now, back to the show. So even though you're talking about like traditional, quote unquote, roles, the, for instance, the stereotypical role of the woman doing everything at home to deal with the children, that's actually could be a masculine thing because, you know, it's like take charge over getting this done. That's right. It's all work. And so many women feel exhausted because they feel like they're, they're, they're very busy doing their work outside of the house. And then they come home and they're busy doing the, the work that's inside the house. And then they don't feel like they have much left for their partner. So that's something to watch out for, I guess, for certain men, maybe. Yeah. Well, for, for both people. So for men, you know, we have a lot on our plate too. Um, and it can feel like a lot to be in your masculine energy at home and that you need to be in that leadership role with your partner. There may be areas where you just don't know how to lead. So what do you do if you are with a woman who has a lot of the masculine energy tendencies or at least believes that that's her role? Because it sounds like maybe when you're in a relationship that doesn't have the polarity that you're talking about, maybe... Maybe that is what happens. The roles are a little scrambled. I don't know. But if somebody's in a relationship and it's dysfunctional, maybe the woman feels like she needs to dominate and she needs to be the leader. What happens if the guy wants to change the paradigm and, and change things? That's when that's one of the things they would see you about, correct? To figure out how to do that. That's right. So 
many relationships end up with a reverse polarity, basically, where the woman has a well-developed masculine energy, but can't really get out of it. Can that work? Absolutely. That can work too, if that's what both partners want. You know, so a man can have a primary feminine energy to them and a woman could have a primary masculine energy to them. And if they are both good with that, that can work too. So this is not a rigid thing. It's just that most men want to be in their masculine with their partner. And most women actually want to be in their feminine energy with their partner. Even though they may not admit that. Even though they may not admit that. A woman might not feel that their their man is up to the task, that their man is masculine enough or, or can can handle them and or can be can be the leader in the relationship is that something that you felt happened with your marriage yeah I, I wasn't up to the task of being a leader you know i grew into it over time but it was too late so this is something where men need to know these things getting into a relationship or getting into marriage you want to know these things so you can have good chemistry that sustains itself. You know, once you lose this chemistry, it's hard to get it back. You know, you can work with a coach like me, but it, it can be hard to get it back. And you only work with the man. You wouldn't work in tandem with both. Right now, I, I'm focusing on working with men, uh, but there's women who work on polarity too. Fascinating. So we know the concepts. Somebody's in the men's group, somebody's seeing you. What kind of action do they take? First, they got to understand what's going on. After they understand what's going on, then what? They they have interesting conversations with their spouses and try to, you know, say what they're thinking about or how to or or do they just take action and then the action leads to Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. I mean, men are coming to me often after they read No More Mr. Nice Guy. And so they're they're aware that they've got these nice guy traits. Some of them are married or partnered and other ones are single. Maybe they're divorced or maybe they've had trouble just with dating and have never been married. So I'm, I'm working with men in different situations. Are most of the people in your groups married men or half and half or what? Yeah, it's a mix. It's, it's about half and half. So the people that aren't married, maybe they've had difficult relationships and now they're like, all right, the next one, I want it to be different. Yeah, maybe it's a, a man with a girlfriend of a few years and... You know, she's wanting to get married, but he's he's not sure, and maybe the chemistry's off. I mean, I'm just giving an example. Right. Or people like you who got a divorce and then are like, now... Back in, uh, back in the dating world. How do I... Yeah. How do I go from here? That's kind of your story. That's right. So, I, I know... I know what it's like to be married, what it's like to go through divorce, what it's like to go back to dating... So I, I've seen different sides of this, but now I have the experience of totally nice guying a relationship, my, my marriage, and seeing the impact of that. Not that it's all on me, but now I can have relationships with women that are very different, that are polarized, yeah. where, I, where I'm leading. And I can start things off on a totally different footing. But, you know, this isn't just about leading in a relationship. I'm leading in my whole life. Right, right. So... What does that entail, meaning leading in your own life? I mean, I, so I get it. If you have your stuff together outside of the home, then when you come home, you're going to be more confident and demonstrate leadership. Yeah. I th well, I think you're saying, yeah, if, if you've got yourself together before you get into a relationship, it's going to... Oh, 
before you get into a relationship. Yeah. But I mean, if you are in a relationship right now and you want to try to save it, that is something you could do. If A lot of what you do is work on yourself. You know, you, you work on how you're leading yourself, your, your habits, um, your, your organization, um, your health, your mental health, how you self-soothe. You're working on your social life, building those, those male friendships or building that network developing yourself and your career, developing your creativity. So having a full life outside of your partner, that is leading. So those are all things that I'm working with men on. And so when you start leading yourself, then it's easier to lead the relationship too. And you'll often see shifts in the relationship as you work on yourself. You know, that also includes knowing how to set better boundaries. It includes knowing how to be more assertive with your partner, how to ask for your wants and needs, even knowing what your your wants and needs are. A lot of men don't. Yeah. You know, to me, it seems like some of this stuff, there's certain things people are just naive or ignorant about. And sometimes all they need is somebody to tell them, oh, don't do this. This is bad. This makes you look this puts you in this position. And some people may even be naturally have these masculine tendencies, but maybe they learn this behavior from someone else or, you know, develop this bad habit. I know sometimes it's just all it takes is somebody saying one thing. And I go, I always bring up this, you know, I was in a relationship with somebody and they brought up the shoulds. I was trying to be, I was trying to help them, give them advice. And I said, maybe you should do this. And she, you know, this was a woman I I really, I was very into her at the time. She's not the easiest person to be with, but she's a good person. And she, she says, whoa, oh, you brought out the shoulds. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you never tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do. And I was like, oh my God, you blew me away by this. It was just such a simple thing. Nobody had ever told me. Uh huh. I feel like some of these concepts, yeah, some of them are probably terrible habits people have, and they they have to like jump out of it. But do you think there are certain things you just tell people and you go, duh? Well, some of these things that I teach men, uh, it's like a light bulb going off. Yeah, it sounds like that's how it was with you to some extent. But but some of these things are really, you know, these are different relational skills. Uh, to develop. Do you think this is the, the number one thing that causes problems in, in relationships or this is, this is like the thing that's behind all of it? The polarity problems? Uh, I think it, yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of it. Different things affect polarity. So, you know, there's, there's different skills involved in leading in your relationship or leading as a masculine partner. So it, it isn't all one thing. How often does it happen where, you know, the first 10 years, for instance, things are good, polarity is a certain way, and then it just evolves and changes? Is that pretty typical or is it pretty much like, I guess it could change if somebody was in a mastermind group or a men's group like yours. But I mean, do you, do you see that? Like, oh, 20 years later, people have just gotten bad habits and it's just changed. Yeah, I, th- I think it can vary. You know, I think oftentimes early in the relationship, there's just, there's more lust. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's a honeymoon period. 
you really need a few years before you you see someone's like the full range of their personality. You need to see them through a crisis or two to really know them. What's your opinion of getting married after like six months or something? You think that's generally ill-advised? I think it's generally ill-advised, but it depends. You know, some people are wiser than others. Maybe they, maybe they've had a marriage or two. Other people may maybe on a certain timetable. But you know, there's always risk in marriage. There's always risk in any kind of relationship. So I think this isn't exactly what you asked, but but part of what I've learned about marriage and relationships is it's it's got to be something you're consciously choosing. It's not a choice that you just make when you ask someone to marry you or when you have your wedding. It's that you need to be always making a choice to be with that person. So I think this idea that you get married and it's just till death do us part, I think that's unhelpful. And this idea of conditional love versus unconditional love, you're saying it's conditional love. Well, I I think you've still got to be open to working through things with people. I'm just saying a lot of the men that I work with, they're like a passenger in their in their relationship or their marriage. And they just feel like they've made this decision and now things are happening and they may feel stuck, but they feel like they don't have a choice. And the reality is you always have a choice. You're always making a choice to be in your marriage. You may not feel like you're making a choice. You may, You may feel like... There's a lot of things or forces that you don't control, but you're always making a choice. And so this is something that I'm reminding people of and teaching people about because this is a lot of what coaching is about. It's helping people develop a sense of agency. If you don't have a sense of agency in your relationship, you're going to feel hopeless or stuck. You want to be making a conscious choice. And this is actually something that helps people stay together. Yes. is knowing that this is a choice that you're making and that you also can try to shift things in your relationship to make them better if, if you're not happy with them. You know, if you just feel like a passenger and things are happening to you, you're going to check out and want to be out of the marriage. So I'm not trying to help people leave their marriage. I'm, I'm trying to help people do what's best for themselves. So do you have any other advice I think your main prescription is to be making choices, be conscious, be present, understand this polarity. And if you don't understand the polarity, figure it out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that one of the things men can do better or people in that masculine energy role is being emotionally present for their partner. And I I don't think that's an idea that's outside of the mainstream. I think that's a pretty mainstream one. But what, what does that mean? It's, um, and I think this gets at something you were bringing up before, is that a lot of times men, when their wife or their feminine partner is upset or emotional, the man just wants to problem solve. They want to... Because that's leadership. Well, I don't think that's necessarily leadership. A lot of times women are not looking for their man to problem solve. They're looking for their, their masculine partner to... To tell them, I hear you. Tell them I hear you, but <laughs> but but not in a canned way. Um, it's got to be a real attention to what she's feeling. Absolutely, and really to connect on that that feeling level. Yeah, no, that was a mistake. I feel like that same person. I and I was, you know, I was pretty inexperienced, and I just thought I'm being there. I'm I'm taking charge. I'm showing leadership by 
giving advice. She's, she's distraught. She clearly wants advice. So it's an interesting thing to navigate, trying to be a leader, yet being careful of your suggestions. And sometimes it's hard to know, right? Whether to advise somebody or not. Right. I mean, so some men fall into the trap of just going for advice or, or problem solving, or they, they may not be as skilled at empathizing or being emotionally present. But even just that emotional presence is complex. So it's not necessarily just attending to that immediate situation that she's upset about. It's also attending to the whole relationship and looking at how am I leading? Are there ways that I'm not measuring up in terms of my leadership that she's actually responding to in that upset that I, that I need to acknowledge? So there's a lot of responsibility to try to be in that that masculine role. Then there are times where a feminine energy person will test the masculine energy person's leadership. And so that's a complex thing to navigate. So people who are feminine energy, obviously I'm generalizing here, but they want to feel the, their masculine partners solid, that their masculine partner can set proper boundaries, um, including with her. So that is something, as a masculine partner, you need to be skilled in. These things are, are, are things that people need coaching in often. Yeah. And they're not intuitive always. They're, they're not intuitive. And, and you don't have to be perfect as a man. You can make mistakes. I mean, I think one of the major nice guy pitfalls is that nice guys think that they can somehow create a conflict-free or tension-free relationship with a partner. And that's not realistic. Even for men who understand polarity, who are skilled, there's still going to be conflicts. There's still going to be tension that comes up. That's part of the deal. So the idea is not just, it's not to get rid of conflict or tension. So this is actually a really big take-home point. Like a nice guy just wants to get rid of that tension or just wants... So they'll surrender. They, they want their their feminine partner to just be quiet and not be upset anymore. So they might, you know, be overly pleasing or accommodating in order to shut her up. Yeah, just give them whatever they want. Right. But that that's a recipe for both people to be unhappy. Sometimes you need to just be okay with conflict and tension and that you don't actually have to resolve it right away. That's interesting. You don't have to resolve it right away. I mean, you should try if you can, right? Well, sometimes, you know, if you're having a fight with your spouse, you might need a little break to cool off or just to reflect on what you're thinking and feeling or reflect on what they're thinking and feeling. Maybe you need to take a little break before you come back together and talk about it. So, you know, so part of this is learning how to, how to self-soothe, how to self-reflect, and how to reflect on what your partner may be experiencing. Okay. Well, before we wrap this up, I just want to understand one, you know, okay, so often the first thing you prescribe is for them to get themselves together. Or is the first thing you prescribe for them to at least have some conversation with their spouse and say, look, I'm, I guess the first thing would be saying, I'm doing coaching. I want to make changes. And then I, I, how does it, how does it go? The conversation or just getting your stuff together? Cause that, that takes time. It takes time to, to be secure with, with everything, with your job, with your health, with, you know? 
when I do coaching with someone, I'm having a long initial conversation or sometimes multiple conversations with them about what the goals are. Um, Because we want to make sure that we can identify some goals to maybe work on for six months. Um, And some people, yeah, they may have a number of different things in their life that aren't working. could be, you know, their health, their relationship, their work life. And so we got to figure out what we're going to focus on. We we may focus on all of those at the same time, but it's a long process. Unfortunately, it's not like, you know, a couple of months you're going to have, you know, it's going to be fixed, but you can be feeling better in a matter of months probably. Yeah, people can make significant change in a few months. I you know, I I think what we hadn't touched on is what's the difference between therapy and, and coaching. And so, you know, I think coaching is more goal oriented and it's more about creating the future that you want. You know, so I think it's has the potential to be really transformative. Whereas with, with therapy, you know, it's often I'm not feeling good. I'm depressed or I'm anxious. I want to feel better, you know, so it's coping. It's often more about coping better. And that's a good thing. And that's what some people need. I'm just really interested in, I'm excited about helping people transform and create their their best life. Do you think that, I mean, you had therapy for decades. You, You were in therapy. Do you think that some of the time, maybe had you not been in therapy, but had a coach, would that have worked for you at the time? Or was that not really what you needed at the time, most of the time? How might that have changed your life? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I wasn't open to coaching earlier in my life. Did you know it existed really? Well, sure. You know, we grew up with dad seeing coaches, you know, and listening to Tony Robbins tapes, which is something that had turned me off to coaching, you know. So <laughs> so now, now, you know, I've kind of come full circle because of circumstances in my life and I've, I've become open and, and I can see all the value that coaching provides. Not everybody's open to coaching and then not everybody's open to therapy either. You know, people find it at different points in their life. Well, do you have anything else to say to the people of the world before we wrap this up? Um, you know, I just want to say you can get through a really difficult time, especially in your marriage or romantic relationship and feel like things are falling apart and you'll never figure things out. And you can get to a much more hopeful place and and feel like you have control over your life and feel confident and feel um, like your best days are ahead of you and that you can create the life that you want. So that, that's what coaching has really given me. And I, I feel like things are getting better and better. And so I I came out of this really painful period in my life where I felt like things were falling apart. And that was really a catalyst for growth. You know, so we we can transform experiences that are that are really painful and, and full of loss into, you know, our biggest triumphs. So that's what I want to give to people. Do you think that it's necessary to hit rock bottom in order to really have the transformation? Does that make it easier in a way? I don't I don't think it's necessary, but sometimes it's what makes us open to transformation is when, when we're so stuck that we know we have to make some major changes. And then we, you know, that might open us up to taking some risks. This is something that now I do more of is, 
is take risks, get out of my comfort zone. That's what people often need to make those big changes that make their life a lot better. So that is something that coaching encourages. And that's part of why I'm really drawn to it right now. Awesome. If people want to learn about your coaching, where can they go? They can go to draregraf.com and they could also go to Instagram, uh, grafari. So I've been putting more content up there. You know, if people, if people are interested in coaching or a men's group, just get in touch. I'm happy to, you know, talk on the phone with you and see if we might be a good fit or see if there's somebody else I know that could be a good fit for you. So let me know. DrAriGraf.com. DR. DR. No period. <laughs> well, not D-O-C-T-O-R. It's just D-R-A-R-I-G-R-A-F-F. <laughs> Dr- it's DrariGraf. And if you can't find it, you can always talk to me and I'll, I'll, I'll pass it along. Well, thank you so much and wish you all the best of luck. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 